everybody! Welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today, because today I went ahead and read a book off of our reading schedule and i finished it not too long ago so today we are carving out some time to make sure we talk about it in a spoiler free fashion of course i'm talking about the spear cuts through water by simon jimenez now folks might remember this book if they're following along with the show back to our friends pitching fantasy episode just a few weeks ago this was one of the books we considered reading next on the show to do a full spoiler filled book discussion on it did not end up getting chosen which is okay and i told dylan at the time i'm like look whether you pick this or not i'm going to read it anyway remember i said that dylan I do remember you saying that, Charles, and like a great prophecy from any of our favorite epic (laughs) fantasy novels, this has indeed come true. So I'm excited to get into this one. You've been singing its praises both on the air and off the air to me. I've been hearing such incredible things about the writing style and how unorthodox it is, but sounds like Simon uh, Jimenez. Is that how you say it? Jimenez? I say Jimenez, I think. Jimenez. It sounds yeah. like Simon Jimenez has absolutely nailed this one. So mm. I don't know a lot about it. I get to be in the position that I feel like most of our listeners get to be in where mostly I'm just sitting back and listening to you talk about it. I I do have the added burden of having to, you know, say, wow, Charles, that sounds really interesting. But for the most part, I'm really pumped to get into this one and hear you tell us what you loved so much about this book. It's always fun to hear someone who gets to be really effusive about a novel they had a great time with. I think we're going to get that today based on what I've been hearing from you. Oh, I think we're going to get it as well, Dylan. You know, much like the spear cuts through water, this book uh, cuts through the edge of modern fantasy. This book came out in August Take that, modern fantasy. Take that, modern fantasy. <laughs> Cutting edge right here. Uh, it was listed on like Oprah's best science fiction and fantasy books of the year. It made a couple other lists as well. Um, I, I see it has like a cult following and mentioning. I see it popping up on social media quite a few places. Uh, but underserved, in my opinion, um, and I'm going to get more into that in just a bit. But uh, yes, this was gifted to me over the holidays and. I was reading so many other books at the time. It took me a while to finally get to it, but um, get to it, I did. And one of the first things we have to address is how beautiful the book itself is. It really is a work of art. Like, you need to get it just for the (laughs) looks alone. It will look great on any bookshelf. Beautiful blue and, like, aqua green colors going on in here. The inside as well has a beautiful painted map. Uh, very intricate, very well done. 
gorgeous book. I had a fun time just uh, picking it up when I went to read and, and flipping through it. So that's the first thing I want to make sure I mention about this book. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, the next thing I wanted to mention is kind of the experience of reading this book for um, for people that haven't heard of it and are coming at this uh, blind. I, I've talked about this book a few times on our show before, and I mentioned it on uh, at TBRCon at the beginning of the year, talking about our our um, favorite reads from 2022. And I was only about halfway through it at the time, but I was talking about exactly why this book was so like modern and and captivating and engaging. And I think a lot of that comes from Simon Jimenez's voice and his ambitious uh, nature in which he tells this story. It kind of reminds me of, I'm going to compare it to this book a lot, it kind of reminds me of The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin in the way that it's, you know, ambition through storytelling, trying to change your perspective, trying to tell the story, trying to tell its themes through the use of narrative voice, you know, this book is it goes through first person, second third person, and third person narration interchangeably sometimes from one paragraph to the next. So it moves very fast like that. Um, it also kind of breaks the traditional story structure as well. There are no chapters in this book. No chapters. They're not numbered. I, I find that <laughs> frightening. <laughs> I am a person who I feel like I like short chapters. I like to feel like I'm accomplishing something right. and moving through. And I also like to know where is a decent place to stop. So the lack of chapters, you mentioned that a while ago. And I don't know if that's just me, but I think a lot of readers will probably be on the same page. Oof, <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, and there you go. <laughs> I think that, yeah. Oh, no, I trust me. That was the least intended pun of all time. <laughs> like, how, how lame is that? Because we could literally use the on the same page pun, like, many times every Someone episode. That I'm down. better than that. I'm better than that. So I, anyway, well, chapters, are, Charles, they're an important part of my reading experience, but it sounds like you didn't feel like this book needed them. No, and, I, and I'll say one of the things you got to consider when you go into this book, you have to be open-minded in more ways than one. One of the ways, it, and I'll get through all of them by the end of this episode, but one of the ways, of course, is breaking out of the traditional like story format of a fantasy book it's not going to be numbered it's not going to have a clever name anticipating what's to come it's not going to have the name of the pov character you're about to jump into uh, but there are and it happens every few pages there are these like line breaks that almost read like either stage directions or like action lines or something like that they're very small and they happen quite frequently throughout the book and it'll just kind of break up the page and then uh, hmm. um, it happens almost every page or every two pages you know these these little line breaks come up that's something and on it a page. seems like mm -hmm. there's almost it, charles you're holding the book up for me right now so right. i can see it has these italics yes like it'll say a bell chimed or something like right. that or the driver groaned Right. Are they always like 
spaced out and it's kind of hard to explain yes. to the listener but there's like a larger than normal space there's bigger text i think than usual yes. and, and it'll say something italicized. like about chimed in italics mm -hmm. and then there'll be another larger than normal space and then start of a new paragraph yes so exactly. it sounds like that it's that always got of, something like that to break it's it always up, got something like that and it's got multiple of them and they ha and they're very short. If these were considered chapters, they'd be incredibly short chapters, and there'd be like hundreds of them uh, in this book. But so that is a way in which it breaks it up. And I'll also get into the plot a little bit now. Um, the story's told over a set amount of days. I think it's five days. So it'll be like it'll have these big breaks, almost like act breaks for day one day two, day three, and it'll also break like morning, afternoon, evening, dawn, you know, it will do that sometimes. Um, so you can treat that almost as chapters. In How many way. pages overall, Charles? Overall, it is, it's a long story. It's about 520 pages. And these pages are pretty big. It's a sizable book. Yeah, it's so, a sizable book. Because, you know, pages is kind of not always the best way to describe a book i know in the in the biz like in the publishing it's biz they always count, use yeah. word count instead of I have no idea the page count because page count book. is kind of nonsensical but we usually use page count because we have no idea how many words any of these books are so <laughs> it's a big book over 500 pages so that that's some serious reading right there because you there got big is. hard and even though there's a lot of these generous line breaks um Oh, and here's an example, Dylan. I'm going to hold this. You guys can't see, but it's a totally blank section just called the second day. So you can, it kind of jumps Ooh, around it does like that. But that's In which? Rare. Does it have? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's does. rare? That's yeah, every day like, it does this. I read the this first book. day is in which we do this. The second day in which we do this. You know, there's like, there's five I days and each one they do something else. Um so. There's a book I read that was a middle grade book, uh, middle grade fantasy. I read it for our fantasies bingo board that they do. And it's it's like this very whimsical book called uh, The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland in a Boat of Her Own Making, I believe is Ooh, the title. Quite the title. And <laughs> every, every chapter it starts with this like, in which, uh, what I can't remember her name, but it's like, huh? uh, in which... I think it's like January, in which January discovers a small cottage and uh, like is nearly cooked for dinner. It's like something <laughs> like that. So right, right. I always think that in which thing is so fun. Well, here's what's interesting about the use of in which here. You know, I've gone almost 10 minutes without even explaining what this book is about. <laughs> so I'm going to get into that a little <laughs> bit. Um, basically, it is a story about two men who are tasked to go on this journey in which they're carrying a goddess from one location to another to overthrow this evil empire. That's about as high level as I'm going to say about the story. But what's interesting about it is the story... And remember when I said you have to be open-minded in more ways than one. Here's another one in which we got to kind of take in the story here. So the story is told. There's a person who is like the main character, and he's from a more modern age, they say, of like railways and radios is how he kind of describes it. It feels like, you know, World War II-ish times, and he's dreaming. And in his dream, he goes to this mystical place that is a theater, a stage, that spirits watch a performance. So he's dreaming 
watching a play. And then the play is of these two men who go on this journey with the dying goddess to overthrow the tyrannical empire and this kind of stuff. So you go from the point of view of the main guy, which is second person, and then first person and third person. It kind of goes in between um, the two men. And one of them, um, his name is J-U-N. I've always read it as Jun, but it could be Hune. It could be June. I don't know. But... Um, June and, and, and Kima and June and Kima and the two of them, I think it's mostly told through Kima actually, um, uh, and follows their journey, uh, throughout the, um, throughout the, throughout the story. So there's some interesting <laughs> things at work going on there. So when I said that there's these common frequent line breaks, you have to remember that this is being told as a, as a play, as a, work of theater and there's dancers and they're performing this this play and you'll also hear me describe the story as surreal because it's written in a very surreal way and the story itself is very surreal you know, and there's so many frequent line breaks right that it almost kind of le re reads like poetry at a time and that's what I think I enjoy most about this work is Simon Jimenez took this story he's like okay this is a story about two men going on an epic quest, a journey, right? A hero's journey. And in that journey, they're kind of trying to figure out their own lives. I think one of the main themes in this is storytelling. You know, a lot of them are kind of grappling with identity, which is kind of a story. And they're also grappling with the legacy of what the implications of what they're about to do if they succeed on their journey, right? So they're struggling with their own identity. They're struggling with if any of this stuff they're suffering to accomplish is worth it. Um, and then you have the main character, of course, who's like, you know, I call him the main character, but he's the one who's dreaming all of this. Um, has his own identity issues as well, being in a modern society, but you'll find he has family that told him all these stories about these same characters and they share the same heritage and, and all of this stuff. So lots of that going on. But the way in which the story itself is told is all about the theater and the performance of the story. And you kind of get reminded of that um, very frequently with the way the narration changes, with the way you'll kind of snap out of Kima and June's story and you'll snap back to our main character in the theater and he's like sitting next to spirits and talking to them and there's like an intermission at one point. It, it It's um, pretty wild. So there's a lot of that like surreal, dreamlike, poetic, um, thematic storytelling stuff going on, not just in the story, but in the way it's written. And that's to me such a huge uh, ambitious accomplishment. Like I can't imagine how much like talents required to write something like this to even think of it let alone write it let alone write it in a really artistic uh, ambitious way so right away I was impressed by Simon Jimenez from the bat on that and that's part of what makes it captivating because it's almost like I say you know, we read a lot of fantasy, Dylan, as you may know. You know, we're reading a book all the time, and we've read a it's lot true. of fantasy. It's very true. We've read and talked about a lot of fantasy over the years. You know, over 200 episodes of this show now. Um, and 
in like exercising terms, you know, it's like when you exercise a different muscle, you know, it's like you, you've been exercising the same muscle over and over and it's very strong and you feel strong and then you read something that it works out slightly different muscles and all of a sudden you're like getting sore faster mm. and you're like, what is... Harkens back to the good old days <laughs> when we were we gym were buddies. gym buddies for <laughs> about a, a year and mm. the... You know, that was the best shape of my life. <laughs> me, too. Uh, me too. I've yet to, without you motivating me to get in there, I've yet to really find that kind of stability in getting into the gym. But, I feel the same You know, way. Charles, we used to do those chest days. We used to do the shoulders days. I mean, yep. so sounds like this one was uh, t- working out, like you said, totally different muscles Right. This was like if we just did the bench press reading. all this time and then we did our first leg day ever and then you try and stand up and you're like, oh, my legs are killing me. <laughs> like, like that's exactly <laughs> what was happening. This I'm like, oh, this is like I'm slowing down. I'm reading more carefully and mm. more thoughtful and trying to understand what's happening. You know, it, it's a different lift than what we're used to gotcha charles walked into this one like one of those noodle leg people that you know (laughs) skips legs legs day and he came out of it with just just monstrous calves i mean you should see this they were burned i I, even on the zoom call he's sitting down on a chair and his calves are so large they are in view of the zoom call oh yeah Uh, so for sure that is really exciting stuff charles it's definitely like day for your fantasy reading (laughs) mind and you can put that on the blurb simon you can have that one <laughs> I don't think so. I'm sure he'll be dying to have it. No, he's, he's got way better ones on here. But um, he can have it if he wants it. But that's what it kind of felt like when I was trying to describe this experience. And again, coming back to that open mindedness, because you really have to be willing to switch. And not only are we switching, you know, first person, second, third person, first, per- third person, we're not only switching between like, a person in real life, a person in a dream, a theatrical play, and then the people in the play where it's told like it's really happening and it's real. You also get um, all of these like really ambitious themes going on as as well. Um, you get like a really – one of the things that I was truly surprised about was by the end the kind of emotional – a response I was having to this book. There's some things that happen that you genuinely like feel like com- conflicted about. You feel like sad for some of these characters. You feel shocked at times. Like this book does not pull any punches. And um, the last piece of that multiple open mindedness I was talking about is definitely like the, the explicit content that's happening throughout this book. You have like all kinds of um, really challenging scenes coming, whether it's like gore at times, violence, like oppression. Um, There's all kinds of ableism stuff. You know, one of the main characters is missing an arm. He lost it uh, by the beginning of the story. And that's kind of part of his identity is like, you come to find out like how he lost the arm in combat and how that kind of affects his position in society how he views himself how others view him um you have a guy who was part of the noble family and then left um and and so you get these really conflicted ideas and there's also a very strong and this is another thing i kind of bring it back to like 
the fifth season. And then I also think um, Sara El Arifi did this really well in the final strife, but you have a lot of these, um, well, not a lot, you have one very strong, um, you, or a few very strong, um, like of LGBTQ representation in here, which was really thoughtfully well done. Um, and you kind of realize throughout this book that it's a very romantic and emotional story, even though it doesn't set out that way. Like, yes, it's an adventure story. And it kind of reminds me of Lord of the Rings in a way where by the time you get to the end, you have this emotional connection, like you feel the weight of these characters and how they've changed throughout the journey and how they kind of try and have these everyday relationships and some are successful and some aren't and and like what was it all for kind of a thing i was feeling those very same things in, in this story which is so rare like we've read a bunch of books and yes they've all been impactful in their own ways but um the emotional connection i was having especially by the end of this book because it does take a while to get there you have to kind of learn how to read this book you have to like kind of figure out what's going on where you are in the story um, but once you get there, you, you get it up, you pick it up pretty quick. Like there's 500 pages, you'll get there eventually. And by the end, you're like, wow, this is, um, so different than, than I was expecting. And this was so challenging and exhausting at times. Like I was, you wouldn't think a book like this, you know, very modern progressive book would have such like shocking moments of, of gore and violence, but it's done in a totally different way. And it's, it's, um, to me, it, the book, it needs it, you know, that sense of stake and adventure, it goes way further than something like Lord of the Rings would ever go, uh, both in terms of shocking, shock factor and detail in which it is shocking. Uh, so yeah, that too is, is another really interesting part about this. Like I had never considered, you know, when you talk about the theme of storytelling, like the fact that it's told in a play, almost like King Killer Chronicles, now that I think about it, where he's a That's performer. what I was, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was sitting on that, Charles. I was sitting well, on that for a while. Let's get there now, was... because now I'm making the yeah. connection, and uh, it, it is kind of like King Killer in a way. I know, but I'm a little annoyed, because I was like, oh, you know, I was going to be like, <laughs> coming from an outsider's perspective, I'm noticing these themes of storytelling you talk about this great prose and also there's the framework of a story within a story it sounds like a little bit of a different way of uh, doing it you know king killer has the mm -hmm. quothis telling that's uh, by patrick rothfuss i don't think we said rothfuss's name so yeah. it's got this frame story of quothis recounting his tale to a chronicler and uh, that's you know the story within the story aspect of king killer chronicle but you have a totally different way of doing it here at the mm -hmm. same time quoth is noted for his experience growing up in a theater environment and he mm -hmm. knows how to put on a play as an edema rue so it's almost like a one-man show going on when right. you're getting that story from uh, from quoth and you've got this, it sounds like, multiple people play going on when we're talking about the spear cuts through water. So similar themes, great prose, uh, uh, and frame story aspects, right? Uh, theater aspects. It's like, sounds like a natural fit for fans of King Killer Chronicle. Well said. And there's also this part of King Killer Chronicle where it's like, you have to remember the story you're being told is a narration by the person who lived it right so there may be some bias there but when you experience it 
it feels real because you're just reading a story, but the story is being told by the guy who lived it, right? Same thing kind of here. It's like this is a play that you're watching of a story in a guy's dream. And so that you can't kind of lose, you can't lose sight of that as you go through the story and i think by playing with the you are sitting in the stage and you're sitting next to a spirit and you're watching this and then you go in it and then it's you know june does this and kima does that and then you're like okay like this is like i can't be forgetting all of these pieces you know it's it, it works like that as well so yeah i think if i was to pick like the three books that kind of are part of this formula i would say let's get fifth season in there let's sit let's get um king killer in there and let's get um, let's get final the strife final in strife. there because they have very similar themes of identity and 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 relationships and and like the action and the violence are kind of on parallel with that. Um, so I, I, and then all three have very you know intense intention to point of view narration and voice. So I, I think that's a good kind of blend. Well, that's a pretty incredible trio of books you yeah. just put together there, yeah. Charles. So mm. if that doesn't sell people on it, I don't know what would. I wonder <laughs> if if you pitched it that way in Friends Pitching Fantasy, I don't know if I would have been able to My issue with resist. pitching it at Friends Pitching Fantasy, Chronicle I don't know if I can ever go Final back Strife. and listen to that because I had no <laughs> idea what this book was about. And there was no way I could have ever like predicted what this book was about when I was pitching it. Um, even reading through people's um comments and and reviews and feedback no one really attempts to (laughs) go too deep into the the meat of the story but a lot of them do capture these themes really well they capture the prose really well in in their reviews and they capture one of the things that i think is preventing this from being like a huge national breakout success is that you, it is a bit more complicated. It, I, I, it brings me back to grade school again of like it feels like a higher reading level at times because it does ask you to, you know, read this poetic prose in constantly shifting narration. There's even times when it's shifting narration, but there'll be sentences within a paragraph that are italicized and it's the almost like a Greek chorus of it's the thought of like random people that they encounter throughout the story. Like they'll briefly pass a security guard or something or an animal. And then you'll get one sentence of like, yeah, we saw him, but didn't think much about him. Like that's the actual thought that the person they just walked by was having. So you're in a dream watching a play of a person walking by someone and you're reading their mind. So it's like, it's very ambitious and it takes a very specific, you have to be in a very specific mood to, to want to take that on. But if you take that on... Well, that's... Yeah, go ahead. It sounds rewarding. Yes. I assume that's where you were going yes. with it. Mm-hmm. It sounds very challenging for obvious reasons. It's got it's got some hashtag inception problems by <laughs> having so many layers of things going on. It is like And inception. quite literally having <laughs> dreams going right. on in there. Right. So it's... Uh, that makes it tough. We all know what... Well, those of us who watched Inception know how hard that part can be to, to follow, but it's right. it sounds like not the book you would recommend as a, oh, here you can break your reading slump with this. It's not... Well, uh, it if, doesn't if you sound were like... a avid fantasy reader trying to break a slump, maybe, because like I said, it works out those different muscles, but it's certainly not like a mm. first 
time. You know, we did that one recommendation series for like first time fantasy readers looking to dip your toes. This is not that story. Um, no, I don't want it to feel like there's a huge the... barrier to entry. If you can get through the first 20 pages of this book and you're following along, then you're great. You'll be fine. Like, it's not that, that steep. It's just more different than what we're used to. There's not these intricate maps at the beginning. There's not the detailed chapters. There's not, like, all this other stuff. I mean, the world building is, is still there. Like, you still have this these governments and politics, and there's some sort of magic system with godlike powers, and then the gods had kids with, like, kids with famous warriors that became like the emperor and his children so there's like these these abilities that passed down so you get these like half gods that have random powers that they encounter it's like this guy can say something and then that person has to do it or this person can shape shift or this person has insane strength you know because they just inherited some weird strain like x-men mutant style from gods so there is some of that magic system in here but it's mostly about these two characters and their journey and it's both an actual journey and their own identity and like the legacy of what they're doing and the reason for why they're doing it and um you know, as you go along the story, you learn more about why they're doing the things they're doing, and you learn more about why they're trying to change. You learn more about what they want, um, and the, by the end, you get this very emotional experience. And the conclusion is really strong, which I feel like is a really hard thing to do. This is a standalone novel, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that, but it is a complete story. It's not like there's a part two coming. So, um, you get the full experience here, and. I would highly recommend it. So let's see. People that I would recommend this to. There's a few. The first one, like we said, if you're an avid fantasy reader looking for the cutting edge next thing or break up the swords and sorcery, this is a perfect fit for that. If you're a fan of the theater of any kind, whether it's like dance or, you know, performance, like... uh, the theater, the Charles. Yeah, if correctly. you're a, a thespian. The theater. If, if you're a proper thespian, mm. I would... Um, recommend checking it out as well. Um, yeah, if it's you're... spelled T H E hyphen A Y hyphen T E R. Theater. If you're into the theater, <laughs> the theatra. Uh... Your twin brother, Charles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he would should get him like this, this Chris. He should read this. Yeah, he should definitely read this. I'd say if you're someone who is looking for a really like authentic LGBT story. This is also a place to go as well. A really fantastic story um, in that genre. So highly recommend for that as well. So you said there is like a romantic aspect to it. Yes. I'm, I'm yes. assuming you don't there want to go into detail really for strong... spoiler reasons. But... What's th- one of the things you realize about this book, you're like, as much as this is an adventure story, it's also like a romantic story. It's, it's very romantic. And like, you know, that, that final... In a come to Jesus moment here at the end, it is uh, is really impactful for that. Probably not the best phrase to use about an LGBT story. I was thinking but... that, yeah, I was just thinking that, Charles. But I was but like, you works. know what? Let's let's just it let works. that go. It does works. it? Does it? <laughs> let's. Uh, we'll move uh, right along. Let's move toward one of the question. Yeah, yeah. Let's move <laughs> along toward a question I've been wondering, which is, yeah, you say 
it's all a dream, right, Charles? Mm-hmm. So I always wonder, how do you keep the stakes high when the dream is like where everything is taking place? Because I, I know you mentioned stakes are so good, but it's a classic like, oh, it was all a dream reveal at the end that people go toward as like, oh, what a like anticlimactic uh, way to end this because it makes all that happen not matter and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, right? They, it was all a dream. They were in purgatory the whole time, like those kind of endings. Right. Obviously, this is a premise, not an ending. So it, it doesn't mm-hmm. suffer from that like cheap way of trying to conclude it. But I do wonder, I guess, how does Jimenez get you invested in the stakes of all of this, despite the sure. dream premise. So I'm going to answer that as spoiler-free as possible. It will be fully spoiler-free. So great question. Right in the beginning, the magic system is that this theater that you access by dreaming is a legit thing. So you're, it's a re- it's not just his own dream like he's sitting amongst other spirits that are watching the same thing everyone's dreaming but it's like going to see a broadway show but you have to dream to see it you know so we're all like seeing the same show but um through that lens there's also this idea of um so at the very beginning the story starts with the main character whose dream is the one watching the play he has family members that tell him all these stories and they say one day like if you're lucky you'll be able to access this theater and watch the story of some of our ancestors right so it's like this Mm. idea of what is this story and how does it connect to their identity and then from there like the story is so like i said surreal and ethereal at times that you're just captivated by um what's happening and where it's moving and you don't know how it's going to end you don't know if like the main characters die or or survive by the end or not you like you don't know how it's connected or if it's connected or anything it's it's hard to tell um but it's not like they're like well i'm a direct descendant of of this guy so obviously he had to live and have kids it's like not quite like that it's it's more of like oh you finally get to sit down and see the story the famous story of these two people and how it kind of affected them. And then the story goes. So it's like a frame device. You have no idea if it's going to end in tragedy or success or anything. So there's the stakes are all still there. Like the main character's fine. He's just watching a play, but you don't know like when the play's over um, what happens to him. Right. So there's kind of some interesting um, things in the epilogue that, uh, really kind of bring it all home so that I'll, I'll, if, if, if that answer makes sense it's you don't know where the two characters in the play end up or how they end up you don't know if they're going to die or survive and they could die because you're at your dream so you can kill the characters and then the main guy's like oh like they die at the end that's sad or they are successful and overthrow the empire and are and like live happily ever after like you don't know that either so anything could happen to them um and the dream is real like it's a so, real story you're told that at the very yeah. beginning that's where I was going, Charles, is this is an actual historical event that happened. It's just being accessed through this magic system that allows kind you to of, witness again, it. The story is way too weird to be that so simple it's like, an explanation, but that's very close, yeah. 
basically. close enough where yes. <laughs> yeah where yes. at least something along those lines would to me explain why we still have stakes even though the even though the dream is happening it's it's a dream that allows you to witness something that already did occur to real people right. so right. it's a performance yes yeah, i a think that's that's a great way Right. So even the the performance isn't actually witnessing directly the events. It's witnessing right. it's a It's like we went to see event. Hamilton, but it's like, you know, we know the if story didn't of the know founding what fathers. Happened, <laughs> yeah. If you didn't know what happened to Hamilton in the end. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, then, yeah, then, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sure it was a real shock watching that play. But actually, I think <laughs> they give it away in the beginning. Right. Well, like yeah, I think so. like, I'm the one that killed him. <laughs> have you seen Hamilton, Charles? I actually have not seen Hamilton. You're going to out me in front of everybody. <laughs> you had this look on your face. <laughs> I was like, this guy hasn't seen Hamilton. <laughs> I have. You see, that's what. <laughs> yeah. Thanks right. for but anyway, in front of Aaron Burr does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I can get out there and say I haven't seen The Godfather on this podcast, then. I think you can say you haven't. You did start this podcast having not read Lord of the Rings, so (laughs) (laughs) that's true. That's true. That was pretty brave. You never know. (laughs) It was courageous of me to start a fantasy podcast without having read Lord of the Rings. So Mm -hmm. I've since read Lord of the Rings and lost all of my courage in the process. But Charles, it took a lot of courage for you to come out here. And have to carry this episode for how long was it, Charles? How long About was it? Thirty-five minutes. Oh, like, yeah, a little bit more than that. It looks like. Yeah, yeah, a little so, bit more. Charles, we, yeah, that was very, very brave, and I think Thank you. you did a fantastic job. I, I love the idea of this book. I think it's it's something that I'll be sure to check out when I'm. Like, this does happen to me even as a huge epic fantasy fan, swords and sorcery fan. It's just sometimes you start to feel like, oh, my God, I'm reading, like, the same book over and over again. Right, right. And that's more a reflection of me than it is actually a reflection of the books themselves. Like, it's a reflection of me feeling like uh, just, I don't know, a whole... (laughs) over like uh, just over a certain setting or over a certain style of narrative or whatever Uh, but at the same time it's it's important to get out there and read something different when you're in that mode because otherwise you're not going to appreciate the uniqueness of uh, each individual epic fantasy each individual sword and sorcery book because you're just uh, like not in the place to see it you're burnt out and sounds like this is a huge palate cleanser, as we've been saying over and over again. It can help you find some love for the genre when you see, like, oh, wow, I can't believe what this person is able to do with this genre, with the fantasy oh, yeah. genre, with these tropes. Because I, I can think of several books, and you've named a couple of them for sure, but the fifth season is is a great example where you're like, oh, wow, like, you can do this. You can go second person. You oh, can yeah. have, like, there's one twist in the fifth season that I can't get into, but it really plays off of a well-established mm. trope. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah, it plays off of a very well-established trope and, like, narrative style in fantasy to kind of 
subvert the reader's expectations in a really creative and rewarding way. Mm-hmm. And it's those kind of moments where you're like, oh, I, I like forgot you could do some of this kind of stuff <laughs> and you can really mess with me as an experienced fantasy reader. So sounds like we've got a lot of that uh, if you're going to check out uh, The Spear Cuts Through Water. Absolutely. And I, and I know you'll want your own copy for your own sh- collection there. You've got a nice collection, but you're always welcome to borrow this one. And yeah, I just, I, I, I don't want to, I want to make sure I give this enough of a spotlight here. Simon Jimenez is an incredible author, like so, so talented. And that cannot be understated. I got the same feeling. You know, I recently read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. And I was like, here's someone who's just like, an incredibly talented writer like you can't even like the craft of writing you're like okay these guys are that guy's on another level um for different reasons for sure but same exact takeaway i was like man this he's so talented i can't wait for the next story he's written he's also um written a book called the vanished birds which i have not read i know nothing about but i'll be sure to check it out i'm a huge fan of the author now and I don't think, like, just the nature of being able to do something different on its own is something that needs to be celebrated. Like, the taking the artistic license, the artistic creativity to just throw a totally wild and wholly original idea out into the world and see if it sticks it is such an incredible thing to be able to do, especially in the fantasy genre, which for decades was always kind of seen as just like pulp fiction kind of oh they the chosen one slays the dragon no kidding yeah does he meet the wizard at the beginning like you know like for a genre that was riddled with that for so long to be able to throw something like this out there is is um should be super celebrated and the fact that it's actually incredibly good and thought-provoking and emotional it is just another you makes it a like a huge success so i don't want to get away without giving simon a full credit here for his skills as an author and definitely check him out when you can for sure that inventiveness and putting out books that are trying new things like that innovative all that i feel like that opens a door for other authors to try different things as well and it just helps our genre become so much more i think uh, widespread in what we can do and Mm -hmm. what kind of books are being put out there i think and it takes so much work in the genre you try the more different you get the like the less commercially viable you sometimes tend to be you know it's like you need something that people can recognize you have to get those shout lines you have to hit them with the the same things in order to have that breakout success sometimes yeah but the more you push the boundaries the more readers are open-minded about these kind of things in the future right we talked about how fancy used to be so mostly restricted at least traditionally published fancy to this idea of at one point, it was pretty much just like Lord of the Rings clones, yeah, like Tolkien, Tolkien clones. clones. And then after that, it's like we've expanded more. But even at one point, I know it's hard for people to imagine this, uh, but at one point, it, things like A Game of Thrones were totally subversive to the genre, <laughs> where it was like, whoa, you can have this like 
dark, gritty realism. And then that obviously <laughs> led to Grimdark and uh, uh, then dark, gritty realism became <laughs> morally yeah. compromising things. <laughs> right. And those kind of things, but it just goes bad. to show like when you push the boundaries, which believe it or not, like George actually did do at that mm. point, you set new boundaries to the point where now people look back and they're like, oh, everything's like that yeah. now. And then you can push the boundaries even further and do even more different things. And yeah. even the idea like a while back of all of these books that take place outside of uh, like the pseudo medieval European setting. Yeah. Like now we have so many books, you know, you've mentioned a couple of them and uh, some of my favorites, like The Final Strife by Sarah El Arifi mm-hmm. uh, that take place well outside of that like standard quintessential setting which we love lots of books in that setting for sure we love but we love to see so many different uh worlds and i love to uh, see the ingenuity i love to see what's at the top of the author's voices in 2022 right just a few months ago it doesn't get more fresh than this to see where the genre is going and it's going in a really talented thought-provoking direction and then i can't wait to see where it continues to go so that is the spear cuts through water by simon jimenez i mean we got we got real with that one and highly recommend and dylan if you ever get to read it let me know because we'll do a book discussion on it i'm sure because there's a lot to say when you get into the spoilers of what happens in this so um But until then, guys, I'm glad we were able to talk about it, at least at this level, spoiler-free, keeping it fun, fast and loose. Um, Yeah, if anything that we said sounds interesting to you about this book, then do yourself a favor and check it out. Um, If you're a collector, at least get it for that purpose alone. It'll look great on the shelf, I promise. So uh, there we go. Spear Cuts Through Water, Simon Jimenez. Yeah. And I'll definitely be checking this one out down the line, Charles. That's... Uh, I'm not going to give the vague, ooh, sounds interesting. I'm going to give the, this one I am going to one read. Day. It just is a ma- It's a question of when. And I expect sooner rather than later because okay. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty intrigued. I'm also intrigued. It sounds like this poetic prose. I'm also intrigued by the idea of the audiobook. I know you didn't listen oh, to the audiobook, I'd be, Charles, I'd be intrigued so by that, I might, too. Yeah, I'm going to at least listen to a sample of that. And it seems yeah, like the kind know. of book that would lend itself extremely well. And, Charles, if so you too. end up needing a refresher uh, by the time we get to it, then maybe that one will make sense to, to do on audio. You but know, that's very true, actually. That's also the... It seemed very... Just looking at the pages, it was another thing that reminded me of Sarah Larifi's Final Strife. Yes. This, it's, it looks very much like it would lend itself to that like audio rhythmic sort of yes yeah, yes I'm because her story now. starts as sort a storytelling with the with the storytelling with the um performer at the beginning like let me tell you a story bah, 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 yeah. about this bah, bah, bah. you know very like dynamic yeah. lively active storytelling with like a cultural tie-in too and, yeah there's and they're two very cutting edge authors right battle drum is coming out soon the second book um from uh from sara so you know there's a lot yeah. in the works um these are two modern voices and since i already <laughs> since i already used my one terrible pun per episode like i accidentally hit my uh, yeah my <laughs> i've got one already <laughs> i will not make any jokes about the spear cuts through water being cutting edge 
Yeah, uh, so thank you. I, I already said that. At the, I said that, that at the beginning. Did, did you? Oh, yeah. Remember, I said yeah. the cutting fantasy edge, and you're like, take that fantasy edge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I will do another one because <laughs> you can never have too many. I'll say this is another episode in the books, guys. In the books, get it? Because <laughs> that's one you could yes. use every episode too. So. Good. If you ever need a new tagline instead of go forth and conquer friends, you could say, that's another episode in the books. Yeah, I could actually. Um, but I won't yeah. because I like the one we have already. And you know what else I like that we have already is our sweet, sweet, our outro, sweet, sweet music. outro music. Okay. Get pumping. <laughs> All right. Let's get it. Before we do any more puns, we got to get this playing right now. Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, do us a favor. Reach out to us over on social media. Let us know if you've read this book or if you plan on reading this book. We'd love to talk about it. It's over on Instagram at the FTF Podcast and Twitter at the FTF Podcast with a number one on the end. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even further than just reaching out over on social media what can they do toss five stars to our podcast which you can now do over on spotify where most of you are listening it's just two clicks to toss us five stars it's over at the top of the friends talking fantasy podcast feed over there you can also give us five stars in a rating and or review on apple Podcasts. We always really appreciate when you do that. But just listening is more than enough. Thank you so much for doing that. I agree, Dylan. Just listening. You guys are awesome for doing that. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, guys, go forth and conquer, friends.